Hello, Blackhawks fans. Welcome in. It is the Four Feathers postgame show. Johnny Nani here alongside Ron Luce to discuss a 7-4 Blackhawks loss at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. Uh, a little bit of an ugly game, uh, eventful game, that's for sure. So we'll get into all of that, Ron, though. Uh, first, been a little bit since Blackhawks played. Good to be back on the mic with you, my friend. Always a pleasure, sir. And yeah, although uh, an unfortunate game, uh, we're still going to have a good episode here. We're going to talk about a lot of good stuff and they, they still have a little bit of hockey left, so we can still kind of enjoy the rest of what is this weird 2021 season and just keep it moving into the summertime. But always a pleasure to jump back on the mic with you, sir. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, it was just kind of weird because they played on Friday and then had the whole weekend off and Monday as well. And then now they're playing here Tuesday night, uh, once again, back at home, even though it's all still part of the same homestand. Usually it's weird. You'd have like a away game in between then. So I just thought a weird scheduling setup leading into this one. But either way, uh, that's just the way that things shook out here. So um, once again, like I mentioned, Blackhawks lose seven to four at the hands of the Lightning tonight. And Ron, you and I talked. We were on Friday night show. And I talked, and what was the one thing I said? You know, sure, we might not be making the playoffs, sure, but uh, what's the one thing I didn't want to see? I didn't want to see us get blown out at the hands of the Bolts. And that's exactly what happened tonight. So I'm not and I'm not happy about it. I'm not a happy camper tonight. Yeah, I'm not happy because, like you said, it's just it's almost like the what we expected but didn't want to see, like, yeah. is what tonight was. And especially, too, like, you know, you, you made a great post today, Johnny, from the Four Feathers account, but, like, just do it for Shawzy. Like you guys responded yeah, that, so well against the same Bolts team when it was Seabrook. Why can't you do it for Andrew Shaw? He was in the building just like Seabrook was like, and they didn't show up for him. And I, that, I'm a little embarrassed for Shaw. That, that's really the happy. biggest thing. So we'll touch on this theme before we get into our normal game breakdown. Obviously we got to do our housekeeping, but that, that's the other thing too. We haven't recorded because all this news broke o- over the course of this weekend where they didn't play. So right now we're in the thick of post game shows and trying to get all these out. So Andrew Shaw announced that he is stepping away from hockey. Uh, he's retiring. You know, I think he still has a year left on his deal. So technically not officially retired, but either way he, he's done playing and he announced that on Monday here. So that was the big news. So first of all, we're going to be so sad to see Shawzy go. I think that's, uh, you know, he owns a piece in the heart of every Chicago Blackhawks fan everywhere for uh, just numerous things. We could go and list. We could do a whole episode on Andrew Shaw, and I think we will once the offseason rolls around. But, uh, Ron, this is kind of the emotionally charged sort of thing that they were able to pull out a game, and it was against these same Tampa Bay Lightning for Brent Seabrook. Not able to do that tonight upsets me even further. Yeah, it really does. And and just like you said, man, I mean, just to keep it brief, um, you know, I, I actually had this conversation with my mom yesterday. Like I was like, Shaw embodied Chicago just as like the player he was. And I think that's why he was so beloved. So to see him leave is is tough. But at the end of the day, he made the right decision for him and his family long term, which is great to see. But yeah, man, it's just like, I'm, I'm, I, I too, Johnny, I'm disappointed. Yeah, so I, I we'll, we'll get to some more Shaw at the end because there are a few miscellaneous topics that do need to be discussed. Uh, but let's first get to the game, uh, break that down like we do here on the Four Feathers Post Game Show. Uh, and of course, before we do any of that housekeeping for ONTAP Sportsnet, make sure you're going to ONTAPSportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. That's where you can find all of our Blackhawks articles right there. Once again, ONTAPSportsnet.com. And you can find us on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet, both Twitter and Instagram for both of those accounts. Um, and if you enjoy the podcast, go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. So, Ron, first things first, let's break down this game. Since we're getting into the point where we talked about it on Friday night, yeah, playoffs aren't realistic. We're not 
totally technically mathematically eliminated yet, but we're getting there. I mean, you see it in the line of decisions coming tonight. Uh, I'll get into it with our setup here. Um, you, you just kind of know it's on the verge. It's about to happen. We know that, uh, you know, you had to basically sweep Nashville last week to have a fighting chance. That didn't happen. Uh, you only took one out of the three. So, uh, unfortunately, that's just where we're at right now. So, we're not going to go step by step like we have in games past when it was really kind of exciting and never were are hinging on every goal uh, all of our emotions riding that roller coaster so we'll take a more general approach to the game recap here but let's set it up because some of the changes you and i discussed possibly coming into effect mike hardman draws into the lineup tonight uh they go back to uh the standard 6d 12 forward setup uh and that was with unfortunately ryan carpenter uh having to exit the lineup he is uh sideline right now in the concussion protocol dylan strom re-enters after being a healthy scratch for two so with factory and hardman and strom both re entering Bodine exits um, and Hardman now is the eighth Blackhawk to make his NHL debut this season. Uh, Ron, uh, we talked about this, about guys getting a chance here and you saw it before they're mathematically eliminated. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the front office and even the coaching staff knows like, Hey, this is kind of where we expected to be probably a lot sooner in the season. So the fact we finally got there, like, let's just accept it. Let's figure out what we have with these guys, especially because Stan Bowman injected so many new faces into this team at the deadline and, and the week before, even starting with that Hina-Stroza trade. So, um, yeah, we like you said, Johnny, we expected it to happen, and it happened tonight with Hardman drawing in and also Dylan Strom drawing back into the lineup after being a healthy scratch for a few games. Yeah, only you know seven games left remaining after this, so uh, time's dwindling down uh, in this season here. So, yeah, technically not mathematically eliminated, but it's not like the Pred series where I think you're really pushing to get back in that thing, especially uh, that can be a point swing game because you're eliminating, or not, excuse me, not eliminating, but holding a team that you were chasing before, uh, whereas now the Tampa Bay Lightning are sure as shit making the playoffs. There's no doubt about about that just a matter of what seed there'll be one two or three uh for them so uh just interesting uh thing there and then uh other than that, like i mentioned going back to the more standard lineup here and kevin likening got the net back after not being in um excuse me wednesday and friday and ron that's something that i can lead into the game action here first with because i'm a little concerned I've never seen Kevin Lankinen look as disinterested as he did tonight. Uh, and he allowed three goals in the first period. Granted, not all of them completely his fault, but the first one I will absolutely pin on him a hundred percent for him just not being dialed in from the get go. Um, and I think his feelings were a little bit hurt for not, this is just my opinion. This is me, Johnny Nani. I'm not, I don't have any inside information on the team and what's going on in the locker room. I think his feelings were hurt by not playing in either Wednesday or Friday's game run. And it showed on that first goal because he looked, disinterested like a that was a fuck you to jeremy colladin that's what it looked like to me so i want to start off with some fireworks here yeah fireworks noted i mean i kind of thought the same thing it's just like and and i don't think lincoln is that kind of guy that would do it out of spite but i think just based on where the season is i think as a goaltender like his play has been down for his standards like he's been really good all year and then of late uh, he's kind of struggled here a little bit. So I think maybe some of that too, you know, maybe thinking too much, you know, like goalies are told like, Hey, next goal, just don't think about it. Keep it moving. And like, maybe he's, he's dwelling on some of those bad games a little bit thinking, wow, what if I played better? Maybe we'd still be in a playoff position instead of essentially mathematically eliminated all but a few percent. So maybe that was some of it too. And I, mm-hmm. I think he just let his distractions get the best of him tonight. 
Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a more legitimate uh, response, but this is just the kind of fan perception that I get from it. And it's like, you know, it is hard to, though, because when you've been the go-to guy for that long, and then in two of the most crucial games of the year, you're not getting that net. You know, sure, the, the Monday night game didn't go the way that you thought, but maybe he thought, okay, they're going to go to Subban Wednesday night, and then, you know, could come back to me Friday. Maybe that was in his head. So I don't know exactly. I'm just going off of my observations from this game. So that was the first initial one, because that goal came uh, fairly early, just 28 seconds in for Eric Chernak and unfortunately it was the result of a Riley Stillman backhand pass after a Blackhawks faceoff win Ron you gotta explain this to me um I, I'm not saying I hate Riley Stillman but you're higher than uh, on him than I have and unfortunately some of the mishaps that I've seen are Nikita Zadorov-esque but they're not as clumsy maybe uh in the physical look of it so why the hell did this guy get a three-year extension yeah, I think his extension came because he really hasn't had a lot of playing time, if you look at it, um, you know, between kind of being a late guy to come from the OHL. Um, he was with the Hamilton Bulldogs, actually, most recently actually won a um, OHL championship with Mackenzie Entwistle. Um, but he just needs to play, and I, I think that's been his issue. I think for Zadorov, the difference is, is – um, or Zadorov, excuse me. The difference is, you know, he's – he's a little more seasoned. He's played a lot of hockey and yeah. he's still making a lot of dumb mistakes. Stillman, literally, if you go and look at his current numbers, like he just needs games. Like the dude's only played like 39 career NHL games. He might as well be a rookie still. So he's been around quote unquote, but like he's still young and he's more or less a rookie. So I, uh, it's, it's definitely uh, Hey, they see the upside and they got him at a really nice number. 1.35, I believe it was per season. So yeah. if you can get that young of a guy who's only just turned 23, on uh, that good of a deal. That's why Johnny, but I feel you. He's, he's going through some growing pains. So I, I had to do that because it elicited three things. One, it further drove home uh, the play that set up this goal. So we can move along in a recap here Two, you are the president of the Riley Stillman fan club. You, you annoyed yourself. So I need to ask that and need to challenge you on it. And then three, uh, getting Nikita Zdorov's name in there also riles you up a little bit. So that was my third purpose for it. So that's why I went that direction with it. Uh, unfortunately, it was just a Love turnover, uh, kind of a backhand pass. It's one of those where it, where it works out. It looks great, and it's awesome. And if you get a shot through from the point, even if you don't score, you generate a chance and whatnot. But unfortunately, uh, that was just Chernak being able to pick that thing out uh, right off of the draw. So that was how the first goal came about here tonight. Uh, Yanni Gord would uh, set up right in front of the net, uh, and uh, Mikhail Sergachev had all day in the high slot. Unfortunately, a uh, guy that we're going to talk about a little bit here, Ron, Philip Kershev. He was on the coverage in this one in the high slot, and he didn't do much coverage on Mikhail Sergachev. Very nice offensive defenseman. He plays both ways, too. But uh, he's got some good vision on the offensive end of the ice. This is how the Lightning would score their second goal, like I mentioned. Ended up being Gord, but Sergachev had all fucking day in the high slot set up there. Uh, Philip Kershev, you and I talked about this right before we jumped on. Him playing you know, right around the 20-minute mark here. For a forward, uh, for you know, one of the highest uh, forward marks for the Blackhawks tonight. I know they're trying to get some guys in and see what they have and all this, uh, and give them some increased thing. He had a you know bigger role in the power play, which we'll get to in a little bit, but um, not a good look here uh, on this second goal for the Lightning for Philip Kershev. No, not at all. And and I, it almost feels like you know Kershev, you know, and Johnny was actually almost twenty one minutes tonight. It's, it's insane. I think he was like the second highest forward behind Patrick Kane, maybe him and DeBrinket were probably the two leaders, but it's like, I think it literally, like you said, kind of earlier in the show, John, Jeremy Calvin is just sitting here going, fuck it. Let's see what works. And I think they want to just get Kershev some more time because, you know, early in the season, they're like, we're, Hey, we're going to let him try number one scene. It didn't totally work out. 
But then he moved down in the lineup a little bit, a little less minutes, and really did well. So I think that's why when they mm. were contending, they wanted to keep him in that role. But now that they're out of it, they're like, hey, fuck it, kid. You need to go learn a little more. We're going to throw you into some crazy situations and just see how you respond. I really think it's kind of like – it really feels like Johnny the Blackhawks are you know that like dad that's just a dick at the pool and like takes <laughs> each kid of his and just chucks them into the deep end. And tells them swim. Like, that's kind of what this Blackhawks team <laughs> feels like right now. That's the vibe I'm getting. So, Dude, yes, I, I love it. That's the best I, way. I love that comparison. That's fucking great. I love it. Here is, you know, with the results not being as pertinent here, we could have a little more fun in the Four Feathers post game show. I love that comparison, Ron. That's great. And that's really what it is. And I think that goes back to the point that we were making a little bit earlier that. We expected this earlier in the season, but they just yep. played so well and overperformed uh, to a point or maybe just had some surprises that, you know, were that good initially. And I think that's more of the case. Uh, and we just finally saw it on full display because we didn't have the full body of work before. Didn't know exactly how it would look. Um, but now we're getting to that point where it's like, the OK, before you're making a push. Now it's like the development kind of side of it. And yeah. unfortunately, results in games like this that look at the final score and you're like, oh, man, that was ugly. But yes. We are trying things. And then speaking of trying things, let's go move on. This kind of keeps, keeps us rolling through this first period. It's a very eventful first period uh, just for starters here. After that, though, uh, you know, Blackhawks down 2-0 after that Gord tally at the 415 marker of the first. Uh, Blackhawks get some three power play chances in this first uh, period. And the first, I, I want to talk about this first power play unit new look, Ron. Um, and this goes back into shuffling in new personnel part of why Kurashev got so much time on ice tonight. Uh, the new power play unit look is Kurashev, Hagel, Kat, Kane, and Boquist. Unfortunately, Boquist would exit later in this game. But from an initial standpoint here, uh, it, it just screams young guns, go out and get it done. Show us what you got. In yeah, addition I, to the two, you know, mainstays that they're always going to be on the top power play. So that right. You know, of course, I was going to cut say, you off, but that's no. th- those two are given. Other than that, it's all go and get it done. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I really think that was kind of what their mentality was. I also think some of the mentality too was maybe just like forward thinking the next season, like looking for some balance uh, in their power play units. Cause I think we've seen it in recent years where there's, they've been a little depleted at the forward position. It's been a really heavy one unit. And then the two unit has lacked, especially ever since they got rid of a guy like Brandon sod, mandatory Brandon sod reference. Um, you know, it, it, it feels like ever since they get rid of a guy like that who can kind of drive the rest of that power play unit on the second group and can thrive with a guy like a Dylan Strom and maybe like a Brandon Hagel on a second unit, they're just lacking some of that depth right now and they're trying new things. So maybe it is too just to say, hey, can we get really two like balanced power play units for next season? Or like, do we have to go really, you know, one heavy and then maybe the young guns, quote unquote, you know, they got that second power play unit down. But yeah, it's again, you know, fuck it. Go swim in the deep end and, and let's yeah. see what you guys can do. Yeah. And, it's, you know, we joke about that and we laugh, but it really is actually a good metaphor because it is these guys that just don't have that much experience. And this is now where they'll get the base root of that. And you think about, you know, now it's a much more digital age. So you're able to go and see what all these guys have and all that. But think about back in the day. When Brent, when Brent Seabrook and uh, Duncan Keith and, you know, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, for that matter, and all the other supporting cast uh, that, that was surrounding them, they were getting thrown into the fire at some point, too. And the results weren't always pretty. Sure, we had some highlight reel plays from very early on, like think about Jonathan Taves versus goal. Like, you know, we, we've had plenty of that. But th- you don't remember the games where they got, you know, flushed like five to one by Colorado and, and looked like shit that night. So this is unfortunately where we're at is a retool, rebuild. 
uh, whatever they want to use for that term uh, where, where we're at here. So I think that's why we're just elaborating a little bit more on this because uh, this is kind of planting the seeds uh, in a way. And I think that might be a good episode title now that I think about it. So, um, all right, let's move on though. Blackhawks would get one back here uh, in between some Tampa Bay goals. And that was Brandon Hagel. Thanks to a lucky bounce. I don't need to elaborate too much on it, but Hey, good to see, um, you know, Brandon Hagel, when he's on the ice, he just makes things happen. And I think more importantly on this play, it was Kirby doc uh, leading a very nice four check. Uh, so to say, and getting the puck to Hagel in Gretzky's office behind there. And luckily hits off of two uh, Tampa Bay defensemen out in front. Uh, Ron, uh, just splash a little Brandon Hagel praise in here uh, just for some filler. Yeah, Brandon Hagel's cool and tough. He's a Chicago-style <laughs> type of player. And you know what? Dashing the torch from Andrew Shaw, right? Andrew Shaw and like a Brandon Sod hybrid, man. Like yeah. I, I, That's honestly the vibes I get with Hagel. Like he strikes me as that kind of player. He really Dude, was he- carrying that fourth line early in the season offensively. So – Dude, all right. Maybe not a bad comparison. Let's talk. Let's talk just a little bit fun for a second. We talk that you know, kind of like hybrid a little bit here. Okay, yeah. left-handed like Brandon Sod plays. You know, I think mentality is a little bit more like Andrew Shaw. Number is right in between them, twenty sixty-five. You know, a little bit more towards Shaw there. But here we and, go. We just and kinda... original and original Brian Bickle number too. Yeah. Okay. Kind of so, has that that vibe too in a lot of yeah. ways. Not as big as Brian Bickle was, but like. That power forward, yeah. you know, with a little bit of skill, like mix it up a little bit. He's kind of got some Brian Bickle vibes to him, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like it. I just wanted to uh, throw that out there because when we're getting the kind of a little more, a little more fun with some of these uh, loosening up on these, despite the outcome tonight. Uh, Lightning would add another one here. Uh, Barry Bollet, uh at 1504 marker. Um, and, you know, uh, feeling rough. Uh, go down three to one here, especially when you've had multiple power play chances before this. I think just overall uh, and not a whole lot going on until the end. Uh, one of seven on the power play. That just ain't going to get it done. Don't really have too much more to say. But then again, what we just talked about with that unit, Ron's uh, analogy, which is excellent, throwing the kids into the deep end of the swimming pool. That's where we're at. And that's what the power play looked like tonight because they stuck with it. I will give Jeremy Calden credit. You could have just gone back and if you really wanted to come back in this game and loaded that thing up like you had before. That's obviously what they had worked on uh, in some practices over the weekend. So that's what they were going to stick with. And that's what they did. <clears throat> but after that goal, uh, the Blackhawks would get on the board once again. And this guy, who is my stick to click, White Kalinuk, kind of a broken play. Uh, Bolts trying to exit the zone. They may have thought it was offside, but Kalinuk waits. He's heady, waits for his guy to exit the zone comes in, picks up the loose puck, and just fires it immediately because he knows Vasilevsky isn't set. Uh, and this thing goes, beats him kind of between the blocker uh, as he's raising his arm up like a chicken wing, uh, goes in the back of the net, makes it 3-2 at this point. This would be the final scoring of an eventful five-goal first period, Ron. Um, <clears throat> but talk about White Kalanuk overall, man. I- I've been impressed so far. There have been moments, but to be expected for a young defenseman on the back end, really impressed with his offensive game, though, and I think that's what we need to key in on here. Yeah, he, he really feels like he's turning into a nice puck mover and a kind of guy that they need. Um, you know, he's a little farther along than guys like Ian Mitchell and, and Adam Boquist. And, you know, I think tonight showed that too, right? I mean, twenty over 20 minutes of ice time, he was the second leading defenseman only behind the ageless wonder Duncan Keith um, in this game. So, you know, they're, they're really relying on him a lot more and they're comfortable putting him in some bigger roles. Uh, even in, you know, high-pressure situations, Wyatt Kalinuk is no – no stranger to 18 plus minutes, you know, as a rookie this season. So it, it's nice to see. And again, they're, they're trying to see the future and I dare I say it, Johnny call it too soon, but like immediately if we're speaking, 
I'm most impressed by Wyatt Kalanuck over guys like Ian Mitchell and Adam Oakfist right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we talk about the recent things. I think maybe earlier uh, in the season before Wyatt really got his chance, uh, maybe you could throw Nick Bodine into that mix. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're just looking at a guy with a little bit more experience being through those four years in college, through right. straight all four, never signed with his original draft team, the Flyers. So he's getting, you know, his opportunity right now uh, with the Blackhawks. So it, it is nice to see, especially on the offensive end, because I believe that's his yeah, fourth goal of the season so far for a defenseman not playing in every game. Pretty impressive. So I uh, just wanted to leave it at that for White Kalanick. That goal came at the 1759 mark to make it three to two. So still fairly competitive game, uh, despite uh, kind of a, a little bit outplaying when you're talking uh, scoring chances, 10 4 in favor of the Bolts in the first period, 7 2 in high danger chances. But either way, Blackhawks able to get a few opportunistic ones, a little bit of luck on that middle one there um, to make it three to two. Uh, unfortunately, it would be a barrage, uh, even with Malcolm Subban entering the game for Kevin Lankinen after one here. Uh, Ron, I think Jeremy Colladin saw what I was talking about earlier. Do you get that vibe too uh, from the goalie change here to start the second? Yeah, I, I think that was just a necessary move to say, oh, Kev's not in it tonight. Let's not beat him up and, and kill his confidence potentially anymore if he has a bad game or something. Let's just remove him. Malcolm's been playing well, really dating back over the last, you know, week and a half. I mean, think back to that Detroit game when he had the shutout, too. Like, he's just been playing pretty well lately, and it's okay to ride with him right now and let Kevin Lincoln get his mind right. So I agree with you, Johnny. I think Colleton also sensed that uh, and made the, the corresponding move there coming out of the first intermission. Yeah, so we don't need to walk through too much here. It was a little bit of a barrage. Uh, Braden Point, Blake Coleman, Alex Kalorn. Kalorn always seems to score against the Blackhawks. They mentioned that on the broadcast, and you just go and look at the stats head-to-head. Uh, head. Uh, that's just the way it's been. Uh, that, that would make it you know, uh, kind of out of reach at this point, 6-2. Duncan Keith would get a clapper goal from the blue line here uh, at, at the end with about 19-28 left. So uh, I always like seeing Duncan Keith score against the Bolts. Uh, it just gives me 2015 vibes, so I just wanted to air that out. That made it 6 3 at the time, Ron, but there were some fireworks that we need to backtrack on here uh, at the very end of the first and in the second here. Um, and it, one of those was, uh, you know, a high hit by Shen on um, Kubalik. This is in the first period still uh, that Nikita Zadorov and um, Shen dropped the gloves eventually to try and settle that one out. But then the other one that I'm kind of a little more intrigued about uh, was Connor Murphy in Cernak. I know Cernak kind of uh, was having a little shoving match with a new guy in the lineup tonight, making his NHL debut in Mike Hardman. Uh, but Connor Murphy's one that skates over and in skates this one uh, seemed a little bit uh questionable for me at the time i know that you know he hadn't answered in the previous games it was still close and all that uh when they had met after the big hit that he laid on cernak and eventually got you know the the 10-5-2 treatment for uh back in early march uh so maybe this is a bit of an answer to it that's the only logical explanation i can have uh kind of for this one but i just wanted to get your take on it why did connor murphy go and do this here with uh you know uh, eric turnak yeah, it might have been something that we didn't even hear, too, Johnny. Like, he might have said something to him, too, and it might have just been a real just I, something you know, that tipped Connor Murphy, and he's like, all right, that's it. You're not picking you, on the new kid because he's playing his first game. You know what I mean? Like, it really kind of had that vibe to it. No, and, you know, maybe it's Connor Murphy, too, just just really quickly. Like, maybe it's him just kind of showing this team, like, hey, I got you guys' back. Like, you mm-hmm. go learn. Like, let's get ready for next year and be a good team next year because we showed we can play well this year. I want to be, you know, one of those leaders on the yeah. blue line next year, and I'm going to prove it, and I'm going to stick up for my guy. 
That's a good point, Ron. I think that could be a possibility. Unfortunately, I wish we had everyone mic'd up and hot mics on the ice all the time so we could hear all these chirps and you know you could pay for like a you know uh, NHL after dark sort of service to get get all of this uh, and get all the chirping back and forth unfiltered as it may be. Uh, I think it was probably something uh, regarding the fact. Sure, that might have been the moment in the game that flipped the switch for Murphy to go over and do this uh, with Hardman, the new kid on the block kind of tangling up with Chernak. But I think it must have been something along the lines of, you're a pussy, you wouldn't drop the gloves with me last time. Uh, I seriously do. So this is just my, you know, the Johnny Nani take on it. Uh, That's what I think, because he did not. If you remember, they instigated against him in that game after uh, they when they played the Bolts next after that game back in Chicago in early March where Murphy got that, you know, look fairly clean, you know, whatever, maybe – penalty but either way um it was just the way that this whole game shook out it's a whole eventful sort of string of events here so um i just kind of wanted to touch on that and i thought it was a little bit you know the timing of it maybe not the greatest you know sure you had an opportunity with the hardman thing going on in front of the bench but focus is already down for the count earlier in this one after uh you know he, he had a rough run-in uh earlier in the game that uh put him out and he would not return to this game honestly i'll be Completely frank with you, Ron, it looks like a broken wrist for Adam Boquist, so that's no bueno. Um, luckily, we're guess we're going into the offseason, so we'll have time to heal that up, but you never like seeing a young guy get injured like that. Yeah, especially after what we saw happen to Kirby Doc with his wrist injury, too. Like In a game where you literally need your wrists to freaking shoot the puck and pass and everything, like you don't want guys taking long-term damage to that you know, with a surgery, and sure, maybe it's going to be as good as new afterwards, quote-unquote, but like is it ever really going to be good if he has to have a, a really nasty surgery done? So just hopefully he's okay. Big picture here. You're looking the next season. He doesn't need to risk anything else. You know, even if it is just a sprain or, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it is broken too, but like, God forbid it was just a sprain. Like he he's done for the year. There's no need to risk it going you know forward. He's, he's too young. And there's, you know, this is not downplaying the injury at all. We hope the best for Adam Boquist, but there are plenty to fill that void. You could bring Ian Mitchell back up. You got Nick Bodine, who's the scratch night. So um, there are, like you said, no reason to, even if he would be good to go in a couple, you know, whatever, three, four days, if it was like a sprain or something like that, no need to go and rush him back in. I think you just shut him down for the season and let those other guys play it out. Um, or if you really, really need to, uh, you can go and search from the Rockford pile um, if that's what you were looking to do. But uh, I think Mitchell, um, you know, he's in that kind of group of taxi squad there. And then obviously Bodine would be the first to get the call there, um, kind of similar styles too with Adam Boquist, just opposite hand. So uh, that, that kind of wraps up the second, you know, kind of long-winded roundabout uh, in the way that we went about that. But it would be 6-3 after that with the Keith goal, uh, making it uh, 6-3 at the very end of that, like I'd mentioned. And uh, in the third period uh blackhawks would have a prime opportunity to get back into this one ron uh with a four minute double minor uh on alex to high sticking call drew blood uh, he saw it in his teeth um unfortunately blackhawks not able to get anything going in the first kind of what three minutes of it so to say uh but then excuse me 230 and then with 130 left uh Sergei takes a delay a game uh and that is where the blackhawks are eventually able to find the back of the net with a dominic kubelik just fucking crank it goal beautiful setup uh cat feeds kane kane goes cross ice to kubelik obviously plenty of space there in the box uh and he goes down to one knee cranks it from the middle of the circle i know we're out of this game still you know only makes it you know it's uh, five, six four uh, at this point in the game, but still great to see that from Dominic Kubalik. 
Yeah, Johnny. I mean, you love to see a just fucking crank it gold because that was literally the the definition. Like when you go look up just fucking crank it in the dictionary, that's that's the silhouette. That's the picture that you see is Dominic Kubalik just one timer from that circle. You love to see it again. A guy just if we're talking on individual terms for this year, Johnny, and guys having proud individual seasons, Dominic Kubalik quietly being the third highest scorer on this team, having a really nice year. Showing he's not just a goal scorer that thrived off playing with Jonathan Tapes. He's showing that he can set up others. He can play lower in the lineup. He's played mostly third line all year. He's not been playing the first line minutes all season. So for him to do what he's done all year, good for him. And that was just a beautiful goal uh, just to add a little feather in his cap for what has been this season. And I think early in the season, it was more apparent because he was scoring when the power play was really going early. And remember, despite all the nonsense that was going on and, you know, kind of the results were not going in the Blackhawks favor, the power play was still red hot to start the season. And a lot of that was attributed to the Dominic Kubelik one timer where just fucking crank it was born. Uh, so good to see to kind of return to that. And like you mentioned, still, even despite uh, all of that and him playing down and all that sort of, you know, factors uh, that played into Dominic Kubelik kind of going under the radar a, a little bit, um, him getting back into that sort of mode and doing, I like to call that Kubelik's office. I know it's Ovi's office on the opposite side, but hey, Kubelik's a lefty. So at least in Blackhawks terms here, uh, it is a little bit of his office. Because I don't know if we've really had anyone besides Marion Hosa or Patrick Sharp uh, that, that could really hammer that puck uh, on a one-timer home and go down to one knee like that. So um, I do like to see that. That was one thing encouraging from the third period. Uh, Bolts will get an empty netter uh, from Kalorn. Once again, who else uh, against the Blackhawks has to be Alex Kalorn. Uh, that would make it 7-4, to four, and that would be the final here tonight. But, Ron, uh, final observations, takeaways from this game. Uh, I wanted to see a little bit more uh, Mike Hardman, but, you know, only 10-16 uh, time on ice. He did have Wog seven hits, uh, but unfortunately those seem to always be out of the picture. I did not really see outside of the one on Chernak too much from Mike Hardman. Uh, other than that, just observations here, since I guess we're, you know, uh, looking at the, the young guys and that's where our focus is. Like we talked about on our last episode down this home stretch of the season with the playoffs not being realistic. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I would have liked to have seen a lot more Hardman as well. I, I like him giving other guys opportunity, though. P, uh, Pia Suter, guys play a lot of minutes most of the season playing a little less minutes. I think they understand what he is going to bring going into the future, but they wanted to see a guy like Kershaw play more minutes. Um, I, you know, I don't hate seeing a guy like Brandon Hagel play 16 minutes tonight. I would like to see more out of, out of Hardman, but you know, why Kalyanuk having a nice night minutes wise, Riley Stillman as well. Uh, another young guy that they, they have now officially said, Hey, here's your three-year extension. You're part of this team, at least until, you know, we feel like you aren't. And, you know, they want to see what these guys can bring. So um, I think it was a nice night to just see kind of what the young kids can do against a juggernaut like the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I, I think they could have played better, obviously. That's kind of a no shit Dick Tracy kind of comment. But, like, I, I think given the circumstances, their effort wasn't awful. I'm not totally discouraged going into the future now after that. And there was one name just quickly, Johnny, that you did uh, maybe forget about on the old power play, and that was the one Bredman. Uh, from that OV office area. Um, 
Mr. Artemi Panarin could certainly just fucking. Oh, yeah. That you know what the thing is that seems like sh- so short lived in hindsight. I know it was great while it lasted here, but it was, it was. when you th- think about how long some of the other guys here, the core players that were uh, for so long, it just seems so short in hindsight. You know, even though it was a very magical run uh, with him and Patrick Kane connecting uh, very frequently, obviously, uh, yeah, no, he could absolutely do that too. So I think that, but once again, right handed. So I think uh, you know, imagine, up, imagine yes, if they could. On the opposite Johnny. side. What was that? Imagine if they just could have kept him. Johnny. All right, now we're going down Patrick Comiskey roads here on the fourth <laughs> the post game show. You know, I, I think everybody and their mother wishes they could as well, uh, but unfortunately, you'd probably be shit out of luck trying to sign some other guys too with the money that uh, Artemi Panarin was due um, in those free agent years thereafter. So, um, yeah, no, it's always kind of uh, what could have, should have, would have been, uh, but that's just where we're at right now. Obviously, Artemi Panarin. Uh, it, Tearing it up for a New York Rangers team that also fucking sucks ass. So that's great. You know, I'll always talk shit about the New York Rangers. They can go and do whatever they want. But, you know, him and Mika's advantage, I'd go ahead and have your highlight reels. But it's the extent of it. Adam Fox in the back end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hope you're good in like three, four years. Uh, our Tommy Panera will probably be like 38 years old then, but that's okay. Um, all right. Uh, going on off in a tangent there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this game, uh, like we mentioned some before, uh, final there. We kind of got some of our last observations out of the way here. Uh, we'll look ahead really quick to the next game, and that is against the Panthers Thursday night, April 29th, 7 p.m., uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, Blackhawks now. Uh, sit at 22, 22 and 5, 49.6 in the central. Still, uh, Panthers at 32, 14 and 5, 69.2 in the central after defeating the Nashville Predators 7 to 4 tonight. Um, Ron, I saw something just looking ahead to this game. Potential for fans back in the stands. I saw it. it's not official yet. Obviously, there's no one back there at the UC tonight. They put those things listing up on Ticketmaster tonight. There's only four home games left. They've got this two. Two games upcoming against Florida this Thursday, Saturday night, and then they go, you know, and they'll be at Carolina for like a week and all that. Um, Then they come back and they play back to back against Dallas uh, in kind of that like early mid-May period there to wind out the season. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think it's kind of stupid and like, why would you do it? And it's kind of a tease for me as a Blackhawks fan, because sure I'm intrigued and would like think about like going, but at the same time, they're going to be out of it. And um I don't know. It just seems like a lot for the maintenance staff and the UC kind of coordination to get together just for you know a handful of games here for Bulls and Blackhawks at the end. Thoughts on fans possibly being back in at the UC? Yeah, I think they could have probably done it a lot sooner. I mean, every other arena pretty much in the NHL has had at least some fans for at least a little bit now. So um, for Chicago to be kind of the last one is is really upsetting. And I'm sure these guys kind of Maybe they would have thrived off of some of that energy too if there were more fans in the stands down the stretch here. But um, yeah, it, it feels like a waste. It feels like just a rushed effort to try and say that they, they, the city, not even necessarily the franchise, the city was like, oh, we got fans back in the stands, you know, for four games. Yeah. Like it's not even worth it at this point. But I agree with you, Johnny. It's just enough to real be back in and be like, oh, what'd you say? Because you said fans in the stands? Really? It's one of those things. That's the thing, because I I don't want to play into it because I do think it's kind of worthless at this point. And honestly, I, I feel most bad for any United Center staff that would have to come back and facilitate the logistics because obviously if it was just the same and like normal and it was just like, Oh, it was just like closed for renovations or something. They just open it all back up and it's all good. And they come back in and it's all normal game day operations. Okay. Whatever. They just been off for like a little bit. Like, they got to do all these special things, COVID and like all that. I, I would just feel honestly bad for that. And like, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems kind of like, you know, 
half-assed for me. But at the same time, it's like my love for it. It's like, oh, my God, it's been so long since I've been. Like what? Like late, like or excuse me, early March 2020, like right before the whole pandemic hit. So that's kind of what like draws me in like a little bit. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see if that actually does. It wasn't confirmed. They were like listed at first. And then obviously the even tonight's game was like listed initially and said, oh, check back for more details. And those details never came. Um, well, they got to turn it around and be ready if they're going to sell for anything for Thursday uh, right now. And they got to turn it around right away because this is Tuesday night when we're recording here about 10.30 p.m. Central Time start. So uh, that's about it, Ron. Let's talk Andrew Shaw really quick. Like I said, I think we're going to do a whole offseason episode that is all Andrew Shaw. And hopefully we can get Mr. Dave Bullen back on to talk about Shawzy's career. And if we could very possibly get Andrew Shaw on, that, that would be excellent. But I'm sure his media inquiries will be flooded this off season. Um, so it, it may be hard to get them, but we hope to eventually here on the four feathers podcast, but let's share just a favorite couple Andrew Shaw memories before we close this thing out, because I don't want to just say uh, Blackhawks lost seven, four to close this thing out. Let, let's end on some high notes with Andrew Shaw. Good memories, good vibes, good memories, good vibes, Johnny. Um, I love shin pads will forever stand out. Um, the the pose that you and I recreated at Tony's house on Halloween um, when uh, when Cater scored the game winner to send them to the 13 cup and Shaw's hugging mm-hmm. them from behind. I think that would always stick out uh, in my memory as well. But I mean, the headbutt goal, that wasn't a goal, obviously. And yeah, Andrew Shaw was a special player, man. He was he was kind of the new school goon, you know, that, you know, was could score. I mean, he proved it. He had a 20 goal season, 19 goals in, in Montreal his last year there. A guy that could score but just played a, a tough style of game. Like I said, he really kind of embodied the spirit that is Chicago as a city. Just hardworking, blue collar, kind of gritty, kind of nasty, you know, like get in your face and, and, you know, tell you to go fuck yourself. Like he mm-hmm. just, he was that kind of guy. And I think, you know, his teammates fed off him, you know, everywhere he played. And, um, unfortunately head injuries are a fucking bitch. And it's a shame that it, that's ultimately what's, you know, forcing him to hang up the skates. Cause it's either that, or you become a, you know, a, a version of yourself that you don't want to become. Yeah. You know, but, Damn it, he, he was just such a fun player, man. The Mutt is just such a special player. And it, honestly, like, I, I was thinking about this the other day when I wrote up the news. Like, if he doesn't have some role in this organization in the next two years, I'm going to be disappointed. Because, like, he's he's the perfect player to represent this city and this town. Yeah, he, and, you know, whether it's, like, a Jamal Mayer's role yeah. or, like, an ambassador. Maybe I, he does a little media stuff. Like, who knows? But he's a perfect candidate, man, to stick around because he's just the best. I think he should be an ambassador and what he should do is just, you know, kind of like fan relations and, you know, kind of yeah. generating some of those studies that like, what do Blackhawks fans want to see more of? Cause who the hell else better to relate to Blackhawks fans than Andrew Shaw for all the reasons that you just listed there. Let me talk specific moments for real quick here, Ron though. Number one, Excuse me, this is not in any order. I can't do it anymore, but just on my bulleted list here. The first one that comes to mind is his very first game with the Blackhawks, and that is at True. Philadelphia playing that hard-nosed, your Broad Street Bullies. They were still that when Andrew Shaw came into the league. I know the mentality has kind of shifted a little bit for the Philadelphia Flyers in terms of identity over there, um, but he, he stood up 
two, the Philadelphia Flyers, and you know, dropped the gloves. Obviously, they answered the bell immediately. So you knew setting the tone initially in his NHL career. This is what you're going to get from Andrew Shaw. And when they posted, you know, because they posted a lot of highlights in that uh, kind of Shaw farewell video that he, you know, uh, did in coordinates with the Blackhawks. I forget how ridiculous his hands were on that first goal to be able to corral the puck and kind of he, he honestly like toe dragged around, you know, no one, but it was necessary to get the angle on the goalie. And it's like you forget a little bit like, you know, because he was such a tough guy, you forget how he actually had some hands like that. And going back and rewatching that, that is one of my favorites, too, because first of all, it was the welcome. And second of all, uh, it was that uh, this guy is going to offer a lot. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, kind of a great embodiment of the underdog story uh, for Andrew Shaw there. Second of all, I got to double up on we with I love shin pads. Who could forget that? Everybody was wondering how that game would end. Andrew Shaw answered with it. And all we could say is, I love you, bully. I love shin pads. That's about all he could muster up, you know, in the middle of a three overtime uh, win when they could finally celebrate. And they're all, you know, relieved to be done. But those guys are just dog tired. And that's all I could say. But, hey, I love one of my teammates and I love shin pads the equipment piece that put that puck in the back of the net and third i got to meet andrew shaw in person ron kelvin Nahan's event right before the pandemic hit uh he was there in attendance obviously done for the season last year uh but he showed up uh, along with all those other guys that were on ltir to end the season zach smith uh kelvin Nahan obviously running the brewery thing brent seabrook showed up there too and andrew shaw uh, i got to talk to seabsy a little bit more than shaw i didn't want to bother him too much but he was gracious enough to take a picture and said let's do multiple poses throw up the peace sign uh you know all that stuff to a mean mug um so andrew shaw just a great guy had some beers with them uh can't say enough good things about Andrew Shaw. So, Ron, I, you know, despite the Blackhawks outcome tonight, that's how I wanted to close the showdown. So thank you for sharing those with me. Uh, you got you got final thoughts here tonight, and then we can wrap up for good. Final thoughts, Johnny. You know, it's a tough loss, but now we start to see the future of what this team could be. Uh, we saw the promise that this team has. They, they, you know, some guys really have surprised, and I think they, the Blackhawks feel better about their future. And I'm really looking forward to the summer. I'm going to enjoy these last few Hawks games. I'm going to enjoy some playoff hockey, even though the Hawks won't be in it. But, damn it, I'm looking forward to the summer. I'm looking forward to free agency. I'm looking forward to the the draft. And then, ultimately, I'm looking forward to a 2021-22 season back on Four Feathers with you, Johnny, because they're going to be fun to cover, man. So it's going to be a good stuff. Yeah, it will be a lot of fun going forward here, Ron. Um, there, there's still a little bit of, you know, hockey here. You know, we talk about, sure, it's like, oh, whatever, only like, you know, seven games or so, whatever I said earlier in the episode that are left. That's still a substantial amount of the schedule when you talk about percentage-wise of the shortened, you know, it's not the full 82, so that might seem like a, not a lot in, in normal years. But for this year, there's still a little bit of substantial time. Um uh, one, I'm going to be watching Riley Stillman, especially since he got the contract extension here. A uh, guy that I just had to rally up a little bit about too, Ron, but I know you're a fan of him and I think the raw ability is totally there, but like you'd said, not played a lot. Um, I'll, I'll be looking to see how he finds his fit on the back end and how his coverage in front of the net protecting the house does because there have been a few lapses uh, in that and I would like to see that cleaned up. So that's what I'll be looking for game to game here. A, a real kind of nitty gritty tactical standpoint. That's what I'll be looking for from Riley Stillman. Why Kalina can he keep up the offense? And then same thing with him. Can he figure that out uh, from behind the net? And granted, part of that is on their partners as well. Uh, but I'm looking for these D guys because you know we, we don't know. You know, think about how Adam Boquist came in and everybody's like, oh my god, like yeah, it's like great to have this guy. And sure, the offensive prowess is great now. Whatever he might have a broken wrist, but either way, 
think about it a couple years later. It's still not all there. So who the hell is going to step up? White Kalinek, another guy I'll be watching big time here uh, down, down the home stretch of the season in these final games. Uh, and then up front, both Pius Suter and Philip Kershev. I think we got the Philip Kershev game tonight. They're really going to trot him out there, Ron. Would not be surprised to see in the upcoming contest if Pia Suter is the one getting all the responsibilities and like that, getting the ridiculous number of minutes there uh, and thrust into those situations. Then uh, also Dylan Strom back to the center spot tonight. So let's see what he's got going forward. So that is what I am looking for uh, here down the home stretch of the season. So I've blown a lot of hot air tonight. You have as well, probably a little longer than we should have gone for seven to four loss, but I am glad a substantial chunk of that went to Andrew Shaw memories. So um, I think we can get out of here now. Three magic words. Let's go Hawks.